Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Now, back to the Pitch Athletic Club and Tavern at Union Station. This is Extra Time with Bill McDermott. Presented by the Bank of Springfield on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Well, thank you again, Dave King. We are back with you. one nothing. the final tonight as Minnesota comes into City Park, wins on a penalty kick a little bit later in the game. Uh, this is Extra Time. This is our second episode of Extra Time. We're going to be with you on six more occasions, next of which is two Saturdays from now when Cincinnati comes into town, and that has a familiar ring to a lot of people in St. Louis because Pat Noonan, a player from St. Louis, from the New England Revolution, and the United States national team, a veteran in MLS, coaches the Cincinnati team. But as I mentioned, St. Louis loses their first game tonight by a score of 1-0 on a penalty kick. And we are joined tonight, we are fortunately joined tonight, by two players from City 2. Now, we're already keeping you guys up late. You have a game tomorrow at 5 o'clock. We apologize for the technical difficulties. Evidently, Palazzola and Klein show up, and everything goes to hell. Because last <laughs> week, two to three weeks ago, it was fine. But nonetheless, A.J. John, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us, Bill. Yeah, thanks for having us. First game last week against Tacoma. Not too bad, irrespective of the win-loss, but it's a matter of formulating and getting a team under under all the training you've been doing. But so far, so good, when you think it? Yeah, I would say so. I think it was a good, uh, it was a decent first performance for us. You know, we had a long preseason, about two months, I would say. Um, so it was a lot of training, a lot of playing against the same guys every day. So it was good to, you know, get out, play a regular season game and, you know, play against some, some different faces. But uh, I think that we had a decent game. You know, obviously there's, you know, we can only go up from here. And, uh, you know, it was good getting a tie, but we want to win every game at home. So, sure. Yeah. And, John, what a soccer weekend. This afternoon at Worldwide Technology Soccer Park, St. Louis U plays Indiana, the MLS game tonight. And you guys are playing tomorrow at 5 o'clock. You're likewise playing next weekend at home as well. Soccer City, it's blatantly obvious now where Soccer City is in the United States. 100%, Bill. You know, a few years ago, you definitely don't have the two city games. Mm -hmm. And uh, a few years ago, SLU and IU weren't playing that much. So it's amazing to get, uh, you know, some new teams in the city and then that IU and SLU rivalry going again. We talked about your first game, uh, AJ, against Tacoma. Your actual actual first game was against Bayer Leverkusen when the field, when City Park was open on the 16th of November. 
What was the main thing? Again, irrespective of the win-loss, the final was 3-0 in favor of Leverkusen. But how did you see your game? How did your team look? How did you feel your team played against a Bundesliga team? Yeah, I think that, you know, obviously we lost uh, the game, but I think we held our own. You know, they didn't kill us. It was, you know, they're supposed to be one of the, you know, better teams in the world. And us being a, a brand new team, not even really, you know, playing with all those players together. A lot of them came in late. A lot of us had already been there. So it was, you know, a weird dynamic. But um, that game was just, you know, an awesome experience. And I think we're showing it now, like, we can hold our own against anybody. You know, Bayer Leverkusen, they are a great team. That was a tough one for us to, to win that one. But, uh, you know, in the MLS, we're very competitive. And we can we compete with anyone, and we've showed it. Case in point, you make it last year all the way to the final against Columbus, against a very experienced Columbus team. Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, you know, it was cool getting to the final. Our first year, obviously, we wanted to win it, but, um, you know, it was a good foundation to set for, for this year. You know, we had uh, Carnell, he was there the whole year. Hack was assistant coach. So, you know, we were kind of just building the foundation last year uh, going into this year, and it's showing on, on the pitch. AJ, John, I... I can ask you this question jointly, but this afternoon we talked it over with Brad Davis, Todd Yegley, Kevin Kalish. There's always going to be a spot. There's always going to be a spot for a development of a player in college soccer. I mean, there's USL, there's select, elite, academy, but college soccer is always going to play a part in the development of the American player. 100%, especially in the MLS. I mean, I think if you look at the rosters tonight, uh, just off the top of my head, Tim Parker, St. John's, Jake Nowinski, UConn, uh, Hassani Dotson for them, Oregon State. Like, they, they, these guys are going to have college backgrounds all the time. And as much as people kind of want to rip on the college game, maybe, you know, European people coming over here and ripping on the game, it, it's always going to be there. And um, it, it's extremely important. Like, AJ and myself, maybe we couldn't make the jump to professional game right out of high school. You know, you go to four years of college, the soccer is still quality. There's still good players yes. there. And uh, we developed our game, and, and now we're just trying to fight our way up in the professional ranks. Either one of you have any feel. Your old coach in Indiana, Jerry Yegley, mm -hmm. had always, always championed the effort of maybe having a winter and spring season in college soccer. Has anything, anything transpired towards that happening? Um, yeah, I know. I remember at IU, it was a big, it was a big deal. Yeggs, uh, or Todd Yegley, our head coach, had asked us, um, you know, what we thought about it, and you know, we gave him feedback. But he's a big, uh, he's a big supporter of that, and uh, I think, I think it could be really good for for college soccer. You know, it it uh, brings more of a professional feel to college soccer. You know, longer season, um, and it would help with, uh, you know, uh, college um, academics as well for the students. John, you've had a chance to train with City 2 a little bit in the offseason last year, but now you're with them on a regular basis, obviously, in the first 11 last week in their first game. Is the training sessions, is the overall, is the overall structure of MLS Next Pro, is it dramatically different than intercollegiate soccer? Um, I don't think it's dramatically different. I think there are a few things that are at or off. Um, I think in the professional world, you have 
um, jobs for everything. You got a fitness coach. You have a trainer there, 24/7. You have, you know, four four coaches on the sideline coaching. So there's more um, overseeing of, of the players. But in terms of the the play and the structure of the sessions, it's it's pretty similar. Yeah, uh, we're gonna take a break here, but when we come back. Your avid followers of the game, big fans, I know. I want to get your input on what happened in Qatar last year with the overall World Cup. AJ Palazzolo is with me, as is Johnny Klein. We are at the pitch in downtown St. Louis on the corner of 20th and Market. This is extra time, okay? I'm Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Extra Time, live from the Pitch Athletic Club and Tavern at Union Station with Bill McDermott, presented by the Bank of Springfield on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. And thanks again, Dave King. We're back at the pitch, as you just mentioned. We're with John Klein and A.J. Palazzola. They're nice enough to join us. They have a game tomorrow for City 2, likewise against Minnesota. It's at 5 o'clock at City Park, but as I mentioned before we left on our break, I wanted to ask you both about the Qatar World Cup, because I know you're avid followers of the game, you watch the game all the time. Did the best team win? Yeah, with the best player in the world, too. And he has proven it consistently now. And believe it or not, AJ, I think we've talked about this before, he was not revered in Argentina as much as Maradona was, simply because he didn't win a World Cup. But now, convincingly, he is the consummate number 10. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it was unbelievable watching that World Cup. Uh, I think what was most, you know, eye-opening to me was just how his team worked for him. You could tell just how hard they wanted to win it for him. And, you know, a lot of people say, yeah, Ronaldo, Messi, but Ronaldo's team wasn't working for him like, like Messi's team was. And obviously, Messi's performances were unbelievable. But... The World Cup was just so fun to watch, and for me, it almost gave me more of a, a passion for the game again, watching that, because my last World Cup was four years ago, it was, you know, a while ago, and now being in the pro is uh, something to, to, you know, be inspired by. But, Positively. Yeah. And John, uh, first time in the Far East, first time in the winter around many parts of the world, a lot of things going on off the field. But the soccer turned out to be tremendous. It was, Bill. I mean, I think the final encapsulates the entire tournament. Uh, what a game. What a what, game. Absolutely phenomenal, wasn't it? Yeah. And it, they, everybody left it late. Right. It might be the best World Cup yes. I'll see in my lifetime uh, final. So it was an incredible tournament. I think Messi's my, uh, my favorite player. I honestly didn't know if he was going to get it done. I, I had questions going into it, even uh-huh. during it. Uh, would they... They lost their first game there, or one of their group stage games. So for them to turn that around and win the tournament, it was incredible. One question I want to ask you, when we had our first show a couple weeks ago, I asked Dale Schilly and Mr. Zanaboni this question. The Holland-Argentina game, the free kick 
in the what, 110th minute? Would you have ever entertained doing something like that? No, I don't think so. But I saw a video after the fact, and uh, Vegas had done that at the club level. Uh, and I guess no one scouted it because he just stood there right off the wall, and they slipped it right to him, and it worked like a charm. So, Coop uh, Miners gave it to him on the ground at his feet. He turned and put it away. You're never expecting that. <laughs> In a World Cup quarterfinal, they pull that off. Astounding. Yeah. I want to ask you both because, again, I know you're religious followers of the game. Every time I watch Real Madrid, I watch their interchange of midfielders. Modric, Cruz, Camavinga, too many. But every time I watch Luka Modric, he's giving a master class in how to play midfield. Yeah, he, he's unbelievable. And for me, you know, looking at a guy, uh, I would love to play like Modric. The way he, you know, how much he, how much ground he covers. Um, I was actually talking to our coach today, and he was giving me a coaching point. And he actually brought up Modric and said, you know, you should be taking two steps back every time, get uh -huh. under the ball, and always be looking to, you know, open up and uh, find a new find a new lane to pass. And that's kind of what Modric does. He's always moving, always checking his shoulders. And that's something I definitely need to work on myself. And John, how is he doing it at 37? I think he just sees it a few steps ahead of everyone, you know. It never looks like he's in a rush. He does it on his own pace. He, he makes the pass at the right time. I think he kind of plays like Leuven of City. Uh, you know, he's always always on his own, uh, own time with the ball. He just kind of glides through the midfield. I can't believe you brought that up because great minds think alike. Isn't the best soccer player on City number 10 ever Leuven? I think so every game. He's super consistent. You know, he does everything well. Um, he never looks in a panic out there. Never. He, he controls the game. The game's played at his speed, and he can do it all. He can defend at his own box. He can make the run, getting all the way, and the opponent's sick. So he's an incredible player. Did you just say he plays the game at his own speed? Here's a note <laughs> I wrote to myself watching the game. Plays the game at his speed. I just read it. I just read your note, Patrick. Oh, you no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But consistently, he controls the game. Plays a little bit like Beckenbauer because he's continually hitting balls with dink, dink, dink with the outside of his right foot. And the tightness of the space is of no consequence to him. Yeah, for me, it, it looks like uh, men against boys out there for him. He kind of just dominates each game. And um, he's an unbelievable player to watch. Also a great, great guy. One of the best guys, you know, around, around the team and around the, the facility. So, uh, and... I got to play with him, actually. I was fortunate to train with him a little bit last year, and I realized, obviously, how good he was. So I tried to pick his brain as much as I could last year, but he's unbelievable. And isn't that the way a designated player is supposed to be in this league? It's supposed to be clearly better than the other players and demonstrate that not just during games, but throughout training, just by being, if you're going to be the number 10, we better know who you are on and off the field. For sure, and uh, I think he's just that player where it's like he doesn't need any added pressure, like I need to perform. He's already that that good and such a humble guy, so, uh, you know, I can't say enough good things about him. Who else caught your attention at the World Cup? Any any young players? We were off the air. You, talk, you mentioned Bruno Fernandez, John. He's consistent all the time. Yeah, I'm a Man United fan, so I'm a little biased there, but... I think just his ability to produce goals and assists is, is pretty um, outstanding. You know, maybe he doesn't always work as hard as he could off the ball, um, but he's always in and around the goal, uh, supplying his teammates with key passes or putting the ball in the back of the net. So. 
How would you assess, both of you, how would you assess the United States' performance in Qatar? I thought they were great, honestly. I mean, um, getting out of the group is tough in itself in the World Cup. You know, you're playing these teams that are, they're all tough. Every game's hard in the World Cup. And uh, I was, I felt pretty proud, honestly, watching watching the U.S. team. Um, I played, I was able to play with a decent amount of those guys, too, when I was younger. And uh, it was just really cool seeing those guys play, play in a World Cup. Um, but it was impressive, honestly. I thought uh, we should, we held our own for sure. Obviously, wish we could have beaten other ones. But John, what do you think? Yeah, in prior World Cups watching the U.S., I think they always had the fighting spirit in them, but then they lacked maybe a bit of quality. And I think in this World Cup, we had both, which is great to see. And that's kind of the trajectory this national team is going. We always need to have that aggression and that passion for the game. But then if you can bring the quality out with the ball, I think that's kind of what makes a world-class team. So I think they did both of that. I think in the, uh, the Dutch game, they maybe switched off for 25 minutes there late in the first half, and it kind of cost them the tournament. But overall, I was pleased. Yeah, that one movement by the Dutch team late in the first half, about, what, 15, 20 passes out of the back into the back of the net. It was lightning fast. Yeah. Uh, as you watch the game, as we talked about the World Cup, 2026, first time to be hosted by three countries, United States, Canada, Mexico, 48 teams. Too many? I don't think so, honestly. Um, I'm a little biased because I'm a big Italian national team fan, so uh, I would have loved to have had 46 teams in this last World Cup. Speaking of that, how could a team with four stars in their oh shirt not qualify for the last two World Cups? You're telling me. Actually, I was on an interview when they were playing that qualifying game that they lost, and they got scored on while I was in the interview. And I was like, are you kidding? Well, oh, and, and they, they were like, yeah, I was Macedonia? in the of, Yeah, okay. to North Macedonia. And I was like, Italy's out of the World Cup. Are you kidding? And then, I, oh, my gosh, it was ridiculous. But, yeah, hopefully they'll be in the next one with 46. Because some of the best players ever to play in World Cups have played for the Italian national team. Oh, well, they'll snap out of it. <laughs> I hope so. Who are some other uh, favorite players to watch on the international scene? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, I think when you mention young players, Mbappe is one that is okay. unbelievable. But, uh, Going off of the, the bigger World Cup, you look at guys who may not have a chance to play in a World Cup like Holland. Yes. Uh, Norway doesn't qualify. So if you expand it, you get a guy like him with that kind of quality mm -hmm. in the World Cup. Makes it a little bit more exciting to watch, I think. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see how, if, you know, if that happens or how it happens. Can we keep you for 15 more minutes? Because about the first 10 minutes, we had some technical difficulties. For sure. We apologize awesome. for that again. <laughs> it's evidently Palazzola and Klein's fault. But nonetheless, <laughs> A.J. Palazzola and John Klein are here. They're going to be playing tomorrow at 5 o'clock at City Park for City 2 against Minnesota. We're at the pitch downtown St. Louis, 20th and Market, directly across the street from City Park. And this is Extra Time on KMOX. This is Extra Time, live from the Pitch Athletic Club and Tavern at Union Station with Bill McDermott, presented by the Bank of Springfield on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Thanks again, Dave King. We are indeed live at the Pitch Athletic Club and Tavern. We thank John Klein and A.J. Palazzolo again for their time. Hope we didn't use up too much for their time. They got a game tomorrow at 5 o'clock at City Park against Minnesota. But now we have the great fortune of being joined by a former player at St. Louis University, played in the North American Soccer League for the San Diego Soccers, played with some fabulous world-class players, played against 
some fabulous world-class players. Went on to a great career with ESPN. I'm proud to call my broadcast partner, Ty Keel. We welcome him to the conversation. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing fine. Just uh, just soaking it all up. This tremendous atmosphere, not only after the game here at the pitch, but uh, that stadium is still just... Isn't it? It's electrifying. I mean, it's hard to describe experiencing that particular level of passion for our sport, the beautiful game, right here in St. Louis in a wonderful facility. Ty, I told people after the first game, the first home game, people came downtown. They did not have tickets. They knew they couldn't get tickets. It was sold out. But I said at the time, other than a World Cup game, I've never seen anything like it. No, it, it, it is electrifying because not only is the stadium just a huge amount of energy, but this whole west end of downtown, yes. it, it bleeds over into the neighborhoods, obviously Union Station, and it, uh, you know, Schlafly's and uh, mm -hmm. you know, Maggie O'Brien, everything's lit up. So tonight, Minnesota comes in town. Uh, they were 2-0-2. They end up being 3-0-2 as they beat St. Louis City on a penalty kick. Was that indeed a penalty kick? Boy, I, I sit in the south end zone, yes. so, so I'm more than 120 yards yeah. away mm -hmm. from it. So I don't have a strong opinion one way or another, other than talking uh, uh, to a, a couple of our mutual friends who okay. said they thought it was pretty soft. Okay. Uh, so it's a soft penalty. You hate to give up points at home, yeah. yes. obviously. Yes. But we also didn't score. Uh, we, we didn't have that same fire, that same ability to create opportunities that we've had in some of the previous games. And we didn't have a couple, some of the breaks that we've had in, in the previous games yeah, either. Yeah. They had some breaks, and they did have some golden opportunities today, just didn't capitalize. But uh, the atmosphere, again, Ty, you mentioned, is so blatantly obvious, even to the uh, soccer fan who's just starting to enjoy the game. And you could be assured a lot of the people who come to these games think that soccer just started in 1996 with the dawn of major league soccer and the only reason i bring that up is when you and i and phil shane went to san jose state uh spartan stadium to do the inaugural game in april of 1996 did you envision anything like this not just here in st louis but around the country not not at all because you know our backgrounds came when, when soccer was big in certain parts of the country, but it wasn't widespread. And, and the other thing that's so different now and is so marvelous is the soccer-specific stadiums. Because think of that Spartan Stadium at San Jose State. It's really not a soccer stadium. It was so narrow. By any means. Yeah, exactly. And, and now you've got situations where you've got facilities like we have here in St. Louis that are world-class, cutting-edge. I mean, they're, they're like from another world. And isn't that... There are many driving forces of why this game is so much more popular, so much more a part of our culture. But isn't the soccer-specific stadium probably right at the top? It has transformed the whole experience for U.S. soccer fans. Because if, think about it. When I played in the North American Soccer League in San Diego, every home game, there's an infield, a baseball infield that we were playing on that was a part of it. They had to remove the pitcher's mound and then put it back after, after our games. And how many stadiums did you go to as a broadcaster and as a player where behind the soccer goalposts was the football, sure. the, the football upright. Yes. So, so now it's a totally different experience. The, 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 the level of expertise that the players now can exhibit on this, the, the perfectly groomed fields, is, is it, it makes it that much better of a fan experience. And uh, next week, we talked about it off the air just a moment ago. 
St. Louis gets another real severe test next week going to Seattle, which is artificial surface. There are still six teams in the league with artificial surface. We're not going to solve that tonight, so we'll just let that be. But they'll get a real severe test on the road next week. Well, yeah, Seattle, they have massive crowds. It's an NFL stadium, and they just about fill it. So uh, you're up against that. You're up against a team, though, even as an expansion team, was a contender uh, like we hope to be. And, and they've, they've built really something special up in the Pacific Northwest. And it's hard to go up there and get a point. And I'd, I'd love to get three points, but I'd settle for one. I, uh, speaking of Seattle, uh, we've talked about our mutual friend Siggy Schmidt before many times. We've seen him do many games. We've announced many games in which he's coached. But he has been involved in every aspect of the sport in the United States. 18 years at UCLA, the under-20 national team, various MLS teams, took the crew to the title in 08 with the Galaxy. And he told me his very first game in Seattle, he's never seen anything like it. No, the place rocks. And... You know, there's been a strong passion for for the sport in the Pacific Northwest for a long time. And they have those great rivalries, Seattle, Portland, yes. Seattle, Vancouver. I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's been a hotbed for, for decades, really. Uh, but to see it really demonstrated now you know, in huge stadiums with packed crowds is, is just awesome. And you see it on a regular basis because you still go up to the Pacific Northwest, to Seattle, see your friend Bernie James. But you get an idea of how soccer mad Seattle is and always has been. Yeah, that, there's a real feel for the sport. They're, obviously, they're very proud of the, the Sounders, uh, the, the, the accomplishments, and, and even the Seattle Sounders of the old NASL mm -hmm. days. Mm -hmm. uh, in the Kingdom, which is no longer there, they blew it up uh, a, while, a while back. At the Kingdom, the Seattle Sounders in the NASL used to draw crowds of 35,000, 40,000. Mm -hmm. So that, yeah, that passion for the sport goes back decades. Yeah, and Ty's referring to the old NESL days, and believe me, crowds of 35, 40,000 were highly unusual. I want to get a little bit of your input about the World Cup in Qatar, and not just the final itself, which was absolutely compelling and magnificent, but it was so dramatically different to see a World Cup at this time of the year and in the Far East. And irrespective of everything off the field, I talked with AJ and John about this. Uh, when the final when the final bell is rung to start the soccer, it always trumps everything else. Yeah, I, I, I think you do have to put everything aside. And then when the ball start roll, starts rolling, who exhibits the type of play that's going to win a World Cup? Who has the talent? Who has the players in the right positions? Who has the, uh, the managers that really know how to use the, the vast talent that some of those countries have? So when, when you talk... And Jurgen Klopp, I, I saw one of his interviews, and they were asking about all those other issues outside the game itself. And he says, look, this is a sporting event. We are sportsmen. We're here to compete. Yeah, there's all these things you could be talking about. But just like you're saying, Bill, once the ball is rolling, it comes down to the athletes and their abilities to really not just entertain, but to go out and try to win something for their country. I mean, that, that's what a World Cup is. It's only once every four years, and you're playing for your country for the biggest trophy on the planet. That is Ty Q. We're going to continue our conversation after we take a break here at the top of the hour. I'm your host, Bill McDermott. This is Extra Time on CAMWEX, and we are live from the Pitch Athletic Club and Tavern. We're coming back after the top of the hour, and we'll be right back with you.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.